0: Hi guys, welcome back. It has been a minute since the last episode. (laughs) I feel like I started a few episodes off with that sentence, but I don't know. I really want this to be an organic and intentional output of episodes versus a content factory pushing out newness just for numbers. Um but I recently moved into my first big girl solo apartment and have basically been split between two homes um for the last few weeks but I'm finally settling, and I'm back, and I'm ready for an amazing set of guests for the summer. Also, so sorry about my voice in this episode. Um, Allergy season is hitting me pretty hard. Hopefully, you can listen past it, and luckily, I'm not doing majority of the talking, but yeah, I tried my best. So let's jump right into today's episode. Today's guest is Laleh Boz. Founder of Normal and an eye-catching creative whose work spans fashion and interior design. Born in Istanbul and now bi-coastal between New York and LA, she is first known for sharing the design process of her beautiful Brooklyn apartment on social media, in which began Normal in 2020, where she has taken it from a simple personal home and inspiration account and transformed it where it is today. In today's episode, we chat about navigating and nurturing anxiety through the unknown and challenging times, how to embrace being your own advocate and listening to your internal compass versus those around you, and confidently following your path even when it takes you to new places you didn't plan, while remembering the importance of building community through trust, connection, and love. We hope you enjoy the episode, and if you're loving the podcast, it would be so, so kind to give it a rating and hit the follow button. So much love. Enjoy.
1: love the haircut
2: thank you it looks so, so good I'm
3: getting used to it oh, it's love... very layered like all around
1: here is like little little layers I'm so jealous well, of full Turkish curls because you guys have so much hair <laughs> how are you how's everything I'm good I'm good it's oh. the new home it's good it's it's a transition for sure like as you know I moved out of my boyfriends yeah so it's definitely a transition to like wake up alone go to bed alone come home from work alone which I'm someone who loves my solitude but I've just never been on my own I've always lived with family friends roommates or my partner and so it's just um, interesting in like cooking for yourself and just all those little things but um, I think just like a lot of growth needs to happen so Mine is vice versa. I always lived alone, like That's except crazy. for my
3: family in Turkey. How am I gonna live with a partner when I yeah. have a partner?
1: When you really are excited to like join lives with someone, like you want them in your space. You wanna be in their space, you know. Space is the key though. You have to have enough space for the both I know. Of you. <laughs> enough
2: space. Like
1: two
3: bathrooms, enough mm-hmm. space, you know. I miss New York right now. I'm coming next in 10 days and oh. I'm gonna be there for like two weeks so every time I go to New York for a long time and then coming back to LA is like oh I want to get back to LA
1: oh I feel like everyone that's by coastal is kind of like that
3: oh like <sighs> I'm right now in my feels for New York I think I miss it I like the May in New York is like the ultimate month you know mm,
1: it's so it beautiful is and like I miss it So, okay, let's start. Do you want to start start. off with like a little Mm -hmm. intro of who you are and what you do?
3: Okay. Um, Okay, let's restart. Um, I'm Lale. Um, It's a name that a lot of people don't come across in the States. I'm Turkish, born and raised in Istanbul, Turkey, and been in the States for the past decade, I would say almost. Um, I'm an interior designer and founder of my own interior design company, Normal NYC, even though I'm trying to get rid of the NYC in it. Let's just call it normal. I do interior design for client projects on a day-to-day basis, but I also make community building events for other brands in the mindset of homemaking for brands, essentially. And I also have a studio space in Los Angeles that I create events, host pop-ups, bring people together, um, a lot of things at the same time. But um, born and raised Turkish, like I said, studied in Boston University for economics and political science, ended up in New York right after um, working in sustainability consultation for small business brands. Um, And
1: then I ended up as an interior designer in New York and now in LA. I love it. I love it and I can't wait to get into how it all started because I feel like your story is very organic and like you really (laughs) just like intuitively followed a path that life was taking you and some people are really scared to do that but you did it and it really brought you to beautiful places so let's backtrack a little bit and start like way beginning just like your upbringing your family and life especially coming from another country into the states
3: yes so I come from a family that has a fashion business, a family business, essentially, that my parents have created around 48 years ago now. Um, wow. My brother is also in it, who is pretty older than me. And my parents come from literally nothing. Like when I say nothing, it's actually nothing. Like they both studied in this school that became their home when they were six years old and from six to 18 they lived in that school they studied there they learned English there and they met there and then they went together it's uh definitely the kind of love story that is almost non-existent in this time right now but I have grown up in a home that the family company is also part of the home and then the home is also the company essentially but my parents um have always been major hustlers there has never been a day in their life or in my upbringing that I that they didn't go to work or they didn't come home like them coming home around like 5 p.m or 6 p.m was to me like oh my god why are you home like wow. I definitely because also my brother is or 13 years older than me, I grew up a lot of like, not in my head, but I had my own world in a way that I was alone most of the time, and I was figuring out a lot of ways to spend my solo time with. Um, which definitely I think pushed me to be creative, but also my playground was my mom's office, and I think like when I look back. And remember, she used to, whenever the days that I went to her office, she used to bring me like tons of fabric, a sequins, beads, like a lot of things and just give me a sewing machine and I would just roll with it. And I used to make my own clothing around like age five, six, seven. Um, I was just like a creative overall even back then. But I'm someone, I think this comes from my parents definitely. Who needs to learn something from A to Z, from Z to A, and be able to like master at it. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely someone that wants a ton of interests and a ton of hobbies. So from like fashion design to like, I was once upon a time really interested in like space and like overly thinking that I was gonna be either like an astronaut or something like that or I obviously like in our part of us um, in our childhood the game Sims was a thing yes and I used to take that game and like hack hack the game with this like code that I knew and make the family a millionaire multi-millionaire <gasps> and start designing their home but I was so serious about it that I used to take a piece of paper throw out the home write down every single item that I was gonna purchase from paint colors to cars to all that and designed the home but like almost it's a real home in like LA or something oh my god and my mom still keeps those like papers that I had those drawings <gasps> on I think that's where my interior design thing started um but my parents um Rena still runs a retail and a manufacturing company and it, they do manufacturing for worldwide like global brands and because their work was always with foreign countries especially um a lot like uk germany italy spain france like there was the top ones and also new york i was really really lucky to have traveled with them around there every time not every time but like sometimes that they could drag me out there i would go with them and it would be almost like the exposure to that kind of a business world very early on even though i was sitting in a chair like on the very like back of a meeting just (laughs) waiting and Crying internally, that like when is this gonna finish? Mm-hmm. That we could like just go out and play. Um, I really, really am grateful for that kind of like upbringing that they pushed me to be almost like a global person really early on. And moving to New York obviously was a dream for me since I was God knows how like I was like five and I was saying I'm gonna live in New York. Yeah, and it was like almost I was born with that kind of fun urge. And it was never something against Istanbul or against my country because I'm a big, proud Turkish. I love being Turkish. I love my culture. I love my country. My hometown is the most heavenly place on earth. But it was this like, I want to be solo. I want to be on my own. And I think it's uh, definitely something that comes from my parents' entrepreneurship too, that... I saw in them that I could also make it happen on my own but there was always this dilemma of like there is this beautiful company that is almost like a baby to them that I could also work in it and I could help them grow it or maybe even make it better and it's almost this I don't want to say it's a heritage because it's like it also comes with a lot of bad parts and the good parts like having a family business i know that lately the term nepo baby is out there but Mm -hmm. in my case it's i cannot even look at it that way because there's so much pain that comes with it Mm -hmm. um but it's also almost like it's their pride and joy and yeah a work that i would have loved to maybe grow without but it was never an internal option for me i almost Mm -hmm. blocked that option Because if I saw that I had a business there to be able to grow with them, I would have never maybe been this ambitious or this crazy to make it on my own. Mm -hmm. And I definitely am someone who's a little too crazy in her choices that I, the way I grow my business right now, and we are going to come to speaking about these parts of my life, but I always problems first and then find ways to be good at it and yeah and then that's where like either the money happens or the success happens like there's always a chaos in my life yes but I think that I thrive in that kind of a craziness
1: yeah I do too as well I think I do everything pretty much backwards Uh um but yeah it sounds like they just really kind of instilled that kind of like that work ethic behind you and like creating something for yourself, like out of nothing. And just like having that urge to explore and be global. And I feel like everyone that lives in New York, they've had that urge since they were little. Like, I oh, definitely yeah. remember yeah. telling my mom, I'm I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to go to Paris. I'm going to go here and there. Um, And it's a hard move. I think a lot of people want to live here. And it. I always say this, but when you move here, it's like going through a boot camp almost. <laughs> and but so many things evolve and change, and you learn so much about yourself and what you can achieve. And you know, it, it's a very energetic place. So you said that you were doing the Sims. I was also doing that, but what I used to do is steal my mom's shoe boxes. I would go and find paper and cardboard and sticks from outside and leaves and create homes in the shoe box. My mom still has them in our basement um and so with your upbringing in turkey um for schooling when you were in high school did you know that you wanted to come to college in the states or did you start college in turkey or did you have the dilemma of like should i stay in turkey and work for the family or should i go study somewhere else
3: okay so i in turkey um we have some foreign high schools that were built during the last portion of ottoman empire Mm-hmm. um we have french high schools german british italian um it's like crazy and like yeah. they, those schools um when you get into them they you make they make you study in that whatever language they're in and they very much focus on getting you to the school in which country they serve for uh, i went to french high school um okay. so i studied in french for five years oh wow um, and in my high school is one of the oldest institutions of Turkey mm-hmm. and it was an amazing place to study at. It gave me so much world exposure too but their one and only choice was to make you study in the French universities. They had a lot of like agreements with them. Um, I never seen, I never saw France as an option even though I love Paris and I spent summer schools in Paris. Mm-hmm. I was never like going for that it was always New York or nowhere yeah however I um, wanted to study fashion design like economics wasn't an option in my head and I wanted to study design either in St. Martin's which is like one of the greatest design schools in London or Parsons in New York and right when my last two years of college I went to both schools I got the exposure to like went to their admissions, got a summer school. Um, Pratt was also an option. But before I even could have decided, kind of life decided in for myself. And my family was also going through some hard times financially. Um, I was also going some hard times personally, that back then when I was around like 17, um, studying abroad wasn't an option at some point Mm -hmm. and I got into one of the greatest Turkish universities um, in Istanbul I got a good scholarship from there and I studied my economics degree at a Turkish college Mm -hmm. however within like a couple months I realized that this isn't it Um, Mm -hmm. this is not the place I should be in it was an internal war with myself that I needed to create a way to get out of it and I needed to were to a um, U.S. school and I applied as a transfer to 18 schools without telling my family <laughs> um, I applied to every single state that there is in the country like anywhere that I could get a scholarship from and I got accepted to some fairly great schools with scholarships and Boston University came as the last one It was a um, Mm no-brainer for me, but BU, with a good, you know, help with them, from them, and Boston is also, I don't know if people know about this, but Boston is definitely the Turkish people college school, like, a lot of Turkish study there. Yeah. I don't know what is the deal with that. Boston, Um, in
1: general, is super global, like, that's where my dad came from, Lebanon, to study as well,
3: you know, and... I remember like one um, day me and my dad were swimming and we were like out in the sea like no one was around us and I looked at him and I said I'm going to move like I applied as a transfer and he like was baffled he's like what like I thought you were just applying as like an exchange because there's also the exchange programs I was like no 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 no." it was like the soft launch for (laughs) me to tell you that um I'm basically moving and I like my dad reminds me of that because I made him go into a shock in the middle of a gigantic (gasps) sea and like like I can't like but they're so used to me with that now they're like always like they learned that I moved to LA months later which is not fair but yeah that's how I roll and I can relate um I essentially moved to Boston out of nowhere um within like a couple months of starting into college and Mm -hmm. I restarted my college uh, education in Boston so because I didn't study initially fashion design I couldn't get into a design school either and it ended up as me studying economics And then I added political science, double major into Mm -hmm. it, because that's one of my biggest hobbies and interests in life, Mm -hmm. Um, even though I would never pursue politics, probably. Um, But design was always there. Like, I could never let it go. And now in my life, obviously, design is what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, But Boston gave me a great opening line to America and being born here because it was an easier city to get used to yes um but I would say again in college I was like almost 24 7 in New York every opportunity that I had I would hop on a bus and go to New York all my friends were there Mm -hmm. um my Boston life was very much like I was the least creative I ever been in Boston. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of schoolwork and a lot of personal growth, but it wasn't ever me being crazy creative or like exploring that part of me. Um, I felt very much almost like silenced in Boston, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't like something about the city, but I would say that to everyone that moves to America as a foreign, um, cities like I think Boston or Washington DC or like they're not the most creatively suited places mm-hmm. if you want to be successful at a great nine to five job yeah. in a big company perfect city to live in high quality mm-hmm. like really expensive life though like I think Boston's a very expensive city overall but um I lost my creative touch
1: you and know I- I'm from Massachusetts I, I, know, I know yeah I know. yeah, I know. yeah.
3: Um, and I had to find it um in
1: New York afterwards, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, and so, after school going into your career path, what was that first job? Did you stay in Boston for a bit, or did you, as soon as graduation hit, go right to New York?
3: It was like before even I graduated, I was, oh my God, I couldn't even wait for a second, yeah, and my first job is um was my family was just transitioning the company into being sustainable. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the first Turkish manufacturing companies that became sustainable manufacturers. That's amazing. And they kind of pioneered that within their industry. And my brother is also like a mentor to me that he kind of put it in my head that this is a part of business that is going to grow and grow and grow. And I think you would love if you get Of kind of a work exposure in that area Mm -hmm. and there was this Turkish businesswoman who um, was the head of PepsiCo for their global HR department and she built like that sustainability measures within the company and then she created her own consultation company consulting company Mm -hmm. and I found her through an interview that she gave to Forbes one day this Uh is like years ago And I found her LinkedIn and I emailed her um, also reminder that because of I'm a foreign, I was on a tight deadline to find a job immediately because Mm -hmm. as foreigners, we get a one year work visa post-college. and You need to tell the college and the government that you have been employed within 90 days of graduation. Otherwise, your work visa is taken away.
1: Oh, wow. Uh, So you have three months after graduation. Exactly.
3: (gasps) It's in total of two months prior, three months after. Wow. So they give you five months, but you got to be quick and you got to report that you're employed. And the employment needs to be in the same, you need to prove that your major is around the same um, area of interest that your employment is. Wow. you cannot go and do fashion design as an economics um major graduate that's kind
1: of unfortunate but yeah yes, okay. it
3: is but it's also like something that in at your 17 18 you don't even think about those things. yeah so, like I couldn't go into a fashion design um job I even though I wanted to I had to justify whatever I do within economics mm-hmm. so and I wasn't gonna work at a um like a big like for what do you guys what there's like a way to call those big four friends oh like
1: 400
3: uh, With, like the investment bankers and yeah stuff yeah like, like everyone goes for that after and yeah kind of like, and it was like a no, no 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 like that's not possible for me yeah. um so i I, linked, I messaged this um woman on linkedin and i was like i read your interview on forbes and in a, in a question, you were mentioning that, obviously, you're Turkish, but you live in New York, that you wanted to help Turkish younger girls to find um, businesses, to find jobs in New York, and you want to kind of be a mentor to them. And I'm like, I just graduated, and I come from a family of um, this business, and they've been, like, really seeding the plants in my head uh, about, like, seeding the plants, I don't know if that's the um, same <laughs> in my head that... There's like the sustainability ha- thing happening, and like you should be getting better at that and learn about that. And you're obviously like creating a company in that world, and that is going to be around like more so transforming fashion companies. So like, why don't I, with my fashion background and with my BU background, and me being who I am, like help you and be your right hand in I that. I love that. And never like I was in Turkey um visiting my parents back in that summer and I was like I got to find a job within a month and leave mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. leave immediately to New York and it happened after two um calls literally she trusted me somehow through a phone call and yeah. she was like okay let me just sign the papers and get you to New York and give you your first ever job basically that's amazing
1: Um, can i just say like i was watching this thing a few nights ago this like career advice video whatever that like popped up on my instagram and the guy was saying like you know people expect to find jobs by going on these third party job websites and mass applying instead of going directly to the source instead of figuring out who is um the director or whoever at this business and then going on LinkedIn, connecting and messaging that person, like you have to create the connections. It's all through a network. And then he has all these like college students messaging him saying, I've applied to 50 jobs and I haven't heard back. And he's like, well, where have you been applying? And they're like, indeed. And like, it's very unlikely that your resume even ever gets to the point of being viewed at that, which yeah. is crazy. I never knew. I've mass applied on Indeed, but it just goes to show that going to the direct source and saying, hey, here's what I can do. Let's work together. Like it really does get you a little bit further.
3: It's just, I like have applied to maybe a thousand jobs on LinkedIn till this day. Yeah. And I, like, have I ever heard back even once? <laughs> Never.
2: I don't think I ever I
3: have never have I yeah. ever come back yeah. and I always went rapid to the source and mm-hmm. I'm very grateful for her that she opened up my first literally work visa to this country mm-hmm. and um I worked in that job for a few years and that's where I also got my H1B work visa which is essentially what I have now but I have transformed that into my own company at this point
1: What but is that visa for people who don't H-1B. know H1B
3: so mm-hmm. that's like the basis of work visas in this okay. country H1B is a visa that comes out of a lottery mm-hmm. on every 1st of April okay. you get into a lottery if you if you get out of the lottery first then you can apply to to the visa so this year I have like 10 friends that got into the lottery and couldn't get it Mm -hmm. um it's literally random it's like you'd roll a dice it comes good or not like and I got out of that lottery and then I applied to the visa with sponsorship and Mm -hmm. I got it um so ever since then I've been on an h1b visa and it's a (laughs) good work visa like Mm -hmm. it's almost like the top three work visas in this country and it leads to a green card eventually so um I recently transformed that into my own company now that I have my own business but hoping that it's going to roll out into a green card in a few years and then ship and then I'm good for life but being a foreigner in this country is like the lowest of the low that you could go basically mm-hmm. like the amount of money you spend to lawyers and visa yeah. and the stress and not leaving the country because when you're applying to a visa you can't travel yeah. and all that um it's been years of really tough anxiety and not being able to see my family enough that you know I used to go back to Turkey every three four months when I was in yeah. college and now it's been two years so
1: there yeah also I
3: part of this,
1: even growing up with a dad that came from Lebanon, he never really talked to us about what the process was. You know? I just thought like one day him and his family chose, and it was a really hard move, and they had nothing. But I didn't ever know the process until I moved to New York. And I was working on sets for photo shoots, and a lot of the photographers and stylists, like mainly the whole set, except for me and maybe one other. They were all from other countries. And I never knew the stress of these work visas, how much they cost, oh, paying yeah. the lawyer, how long they last, the technicalities, not being able to go home for holidays for sick family members. Like I uh, I have so much gratitude, you know? I, I never knew to have gratitude for that until moving here and just having friends that, you know, this is something they go through.
3: There's also like, I have now become officially the person that every foreign friend calls me for advice mm. with, and I give them my law. I have the best lawyer in New York yeah. but there's so many different work visas and there's so many different options to go for um I always say that if you truly like 100% want to be in this country you will be in this country you will yeah. figure it out but it's like are you ready to dedicate yourself to this mental and physical and financial journey because it's it's tough yeah. and a lot of people obviously there is a path of marrying someone for green card mm-hmm. it's the easiest path but one promise that I gave to my dad when I was leaving Turkey I was like I will never ever 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 mm-hmm. ever marry and bring a bring someone into this household just for a green card like that's the promise that I'll give to you no matter what I'm always gonna be on my own I'm always Mm -hmm. gonna do this on my own when I look back years later I'm gonna say I made it by for for myself by myself no matter how long that that takes and I have friends who have chosen the marriage path too Mm -hmm. and I was I mean their life is better than mine right now so what can I say but it's just there is a lot of ways and you know, you could be ethical, you could be non ethical about it. Um, It's up to you. But -hmm. if you want to stay in a country, and if you dedicate yourself to it, just like everything else in life, it's gonna happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. And you're so strong and independent. I'm consistently inspired by you and just like everything you do. So honestly, kudos to you. Like, you, you should definitely I mean I'm sure you do but like to reflect back on that and like everything you've done I mean it's incredible you should be so proud of yourself I mean
3: when you when have you a lot of it, grit like, I know that I have a lot of grit but also like when you're doing it yourself and you're so in it I'm someone who doesn't give credit to herself
2: mm-hmm.
3: um I always like every day I my best friend was saying this to me yesterday my best friend who knows me since we were four years old she also lives in LA um she was saying that when I look at you from like afar you're like a non-stop queen like you're always doing something every month uh, every weekend she has a pop-up she has a sale she has a panel she has a (laughs) I don't also want to be associated with this like non-stop hustler energy even though that is needed for my life right now financial wise especially and building a business but i have definitely lately been realizing that i've been forgetting the routines that i do for my mental health and for my um calmness because i do have anxiety disorder that's like definitely have been proven by now Mm -hmm. um and now, even living in a city like LA that offers so much access to beautiful nature and beach and all that, I haven't been really focusing that time for myself, um, even like an hour every day. Um, I work out for my mental health mostly, but um, I really want to be able to find that balance again because I yeah. used to be a bit more unapologetical about giving myself that kind of time. And lately, especially since November I think this year has been the toughest year I ever been through
2: mm-hmm. and
3: mentally and physically health-wise as well like there are some issues that ha- happen early in the year and it's been one step forward or back um and I think the world is right now like that um, yeah my friends are doing amazing unfortunately. yeah um also as a self-employed like right now I'm learning that how much it takes to make money and make money within the values and ethical mindset that you are building for your business and saying yes or no to the right projects and right people essentially
1: yeah that's that's something that I feel like we're navigating in our new era of things that maybe the last generation didn't is like intuitively listening like do these align with my values because you can easily take a paycheck but it might not align with your values or it might cause harm to others or the earth or and those are things that a lot of people are now starting to consider especially you coming from your family to be the first ones in turkey to transfer over to sustainability it's a big thing that's embedded um and i think this is actually a good thing to touch upon um you know Dealing with anxiety and running your own business and having a social media presence and living in places like New York and LA and having a lot of characters around you and a lot of kind of pressure to keep going, going, going. Like, how do you maintain or even just like nurture your anxiety? Because even the social media thing, I sometimes, some days I have so much fun. I post a post and I'm like, love it. But most days I have the little spin going on in my head. And I'm overthinking. I'm anxious. I post something, and the anxiety hits like no other. What are people thinking? What you know? So what? What do you do as a business owner, a social media presence, and someone living in these places just to nurture your anxiety?
3: Um, so first of all, definitely um, one thing that I always keep in my head through my parents that they taught me is that no matter what, reputation speaks louder than any financial outcome. Mm -hmm. and as a business owner every action you take and every people you say yes to everyone that you surround yourself with they have to represent you and you have to represent them Mm -hmm. and this year has been a lot of lessons about that dilemma between um having my name clean and having my name speak for myself um in the rooms that I walk in and either making a lot of money or not, basically, but, um, being very honest to myself and to my work and to people who I work with, um, there has been a lot of pain in the people I surround myself with as well this year. And I've been seeing a lot of issues that come up with the people. I think that they're going to be good for me and not then. And like, some clients that speak too loud in the beginning within like, I want to pay you this, I want to do this with you, and then like, end up literally backstabbing me or not paying Ugh. or not signing agreements. I've been really careful about um, making my business as legal as possible within mm-hmm. agreements and stuff. But within the anxiety mindset, I, this has got really intense in 2021, two years ago. It was the first time in my life that I physically got hurt by anxiety disorder, meaning that the days that it hit, I used to get in bed and not be able to get out and not mm-hmm. be able to focus on anything but the anxiety. And my godmother, who is a psychiatrist in Turkey, she's also, she has been with me for like years now. She's been really helping me to, um, you know, find coping ways with this. Um, mm-hmm. but she always tells me that when the anxiety hits, your brain can only and only and only think with that anxiety trigger.
2: Yeah.
3: And everything that you do is only gonna you're gonna look at life within that anxiety glasses, basically. Mm-hmm. And everything is like almost like a lie around you because nothing you don't perceive anything as it is. Yeah. You perceive everything that's as, as there against you no matter what. Yeah. And no matter what the real like the trigger of the anxiety is um back then in 2021 um when I was fully living in New York um even if it's it's a boyfriend situation even if it's a work situation a family trigger whatever I used to get in bed not be able to think about anything Mm -hmm. sick to my stomach sick to my core not eat not be able to work out and I'm a I work out like work out i always been in my life. i always yeah. been athletic. I played yeah. soccer for years in Turkey. I like uh, people know me that I'm going to wake up every day, every morning. You're going to forget about me because I'm going to go and work out for an hour. Um, but that year was like, okay, this is becoming a big issue. This is physical now. And if I am losing the, the happy moments of my day, that even like takes 45 minutes of my time. This isn't who I am. And how I now deal with it, to be honest, one, I am very well aware and very outspoken to myself, honestly, Mm -hmm. as much as possible. I am my biggest advocate and I am my biggest enemy at the same time. I will talk myself out of that in either a very harsh way or sometimes a very sweet way, depending on the situation. But I definitely lay out all like okay actually um one new thing that I've been doing and been helping me a lot is I've been writing a list of 20 bullet points that is what if what are the things that would happen if this thing doesn't happen in my life so for example A client comes to you and mm-hmm. gives you a lot of promises and says to you, I'm going to pay you $40,000 within this month of span. Okay. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, that's amazing. Sign the papers, whatever. And then that work doesn't happen. There's a lie in it. He doesn't mm-hmm. pay He flees, whatever. And you're like, okay, oh my God, like what now? Mm-hmm. This happened to me this year. And oh wow, I was like, okay. What are the benefits that I will get from not working with this client? Write down twenty reasons that makes you see the mm. the, the full part of the of the glass essentially. yes. Um, this kind of an action has been shifting my brain chemistry, I think, the way I think and perceive things. Um, because now when things don't happen, I know that they don't happen for obviously always right no matter what in this life everything that happens and not happens are always for a reason there is no coincidences everyone that comes comes for a reason everyone that goes goes for a reason some people come for a big purpose and then when they complete the purpose they leave Mm. and some people are forever obviously Mm -hmm. but when I look at the, re- like the benefits that I would get from not working with that client is more than 20 blue points in my list. And for example, I also believe that internally, co- like, un- like consciously, mm-hmm. we know what works for us, what serves us and what's not, what doesn't. And we actually repel things unconsciously yeah. from yeah. out of our lives. So very basic examples from my last couple months of my life that could have caused a lot of anxiety but it was only a few hours and then I was like okay get back to life and now you're gonna find resolution um that client that fleed and not didn't pay my um uh, fees was when I I was supposed to do a branding work for him Mm -hmm. and interior design work for it was like a real estate company and um, when I first received his company information, I was supposed to redesign a investor deck for him, and then go into investor meetings with him, and then design interior design like thirteen um real estate projects around LA and Chicago. Wow, that was insane. It was a mega project. Yeah. Um, when I first received the investor deck that I was gonna work on. In the last page, there was the team, like the faces of the team, the people that were enrolled in that company. It was all white, um, from one single religion, um, from one race, um, Mm -hmm. 40 to 50 year old male people. Mm -hmm. And I looked at it and my first reaction was like, what, like how, like it's 2023, Mm -hmm. Where is the representation? And the the project mission was to build um, middle class residential apartments for creatives. And like they he was always saying these things, like I want to be more inclusive than ever. Like even the um, description of inclusivity. And I went to him and I'm like, you're saying these things, but your internal company doesn't represent that.
1: Yeah. And you're
3: hiring a foreign girl. Um, that is like fully opposite of this team um, that am I like almost like the the person that you're using to say like oh like I'm applying inclusivity yeah and like we had a little bit of like an argument there not an argument but like a breaking point point. Mm-hmm. and internally I was like debating myself either this person is gonna hire um, because it's also against what I worked in for like years i worked in that industry I worked Mm -hmm. in transforming companies to be more sustainable and diverse and inclusive and equity measures you know like so it was also like I was also trying to apply that kind of an experience that I had into him and he just didn't listen and Mm -hmm. it came to a point it was like I was like I knew inside of myself that I didn't want to work with him and he fleed and like didn't pay whatever time I gave to him and I was like okay I actually repelled him in a way
2: yeah I
3: I had to move out of New York in May and Mm -hmm. in March two months ago and I didn't move out because I didn't want that home like it wasn't like a deliberate choice it happened because um there was like an issue with my neighbor and she kind of got me like she didn't want me in the building anymore basically and she told stuff to the building and she was like she doesn't ever come here this apartment's almost not hers anymore I don't feel um I don't want to have a neighbor next to me who doesn't like appreciate this building either like and I received a mail from the building being like can you move out basically. what and it came to my lap like I was at a very intense client meeting on a Tuesday afternoon in LA. It came to my email. I'm like, this is a joke, right? Like, and I genuinely that the feeling that I had was an anxiety attack. It was straight up panic attack. Yeah. I, I went into a fucking, I don't know, like I went into a trance state. Like I started shaking heavy breath, like couldn't breathe not even heavy bread couldn't breathe my heart like was racing and I'm like my whole life is there like my whole yeah. life is there that home
1: Mm-mm. is what built my company and like that's what I was just gonna say like that's a that must have been so traumatic because you built normal there and I was just talking to my best friend because you know I just moved it's a transition when you're not from a city and your family and your support system is located elsewhere, you become so attached to your home life, your home space. And when that gets uprooted, it feels 10 times more intense than if you were in your home place. And also like that home. So like
3: when someone writes my name into Instagram, Mm -hmm. um, that home is the first thing that pops up before I pop up. And that home is a viral home at this point,
2: Mm -hmm. but...
3: I designed that place um in the pandemic with yeah. my own resources and um a lot of handmade stuff or like I I designing that home is what created my Instagram account, what created normal, what created my business today. So wait,
1: do you know what's so full circle? What? I okay. This is so weird, but I was on Instagram because, you know, I was moving and Uh my whole discover feed right now is design because I've been searching things for my own use for my apartment. And one day you popped up. I don't know if someone reposted you or if it was on my discover page or whatever, but it was your apartment. And I went to it and like, I was saving some posts as inspiration and I was at work. So I went back to work and like completely forgot about it. And then a week later, you came into my life. And then I noticed <laughs> that you were the girl behind normal.
3: And I, I was know. like,
1: how the universe is insane. But yes, that apartment is how I found you.
3: It's It was a heavenly place. It still is. I have tattoos of its address on my arm. And like, it's gonna forever, ever, ever. I will never forget about that home, mm-hmm. Um ever. It's the place that I had the biggest pain of growing up. It's the place where I had my worst breakup. It's the place where I fell in love with the person that I thought was gonna be my forever. Mm -hmm. Um, And then broke up with him again. Um, It's like the place that I learned interior design. It's the place that I built my own company. there's just so it's the place that my brother first came to visit me in America and looked at it and said you I'm proud of you which is a big part of our like was a major moment for me and my brother it's so much personal beauty and relationships and emotions and growth that those four walls have seen Mm -hmm. that I never wanted to let that go and I was holding on to it because it was also a part of my brand but it was also I think an ego to say that I still have a home in New York Yeah. and my mom was warning me for months that I was stretching a little too thin mm-hmm. um, because I wasn't paying that home's rent because I was you know giving it to friends and family for them to stay there but yeah. essentially there was gonna come a moment where I needed to make a decision because even though like life is glamorous it's you're acting as a as a landlord yeah. and it's pricey and it's always in your back like your whole belongings are like separated into two places and yeah sometimes you forget some stuff exists and I thought that I was like literally in like two days I had a flight to New York that I was going to be in New York from May till September that was mm-hmm. my goal my plan and around like February I started feeling so happy in this apartment that I have in LA mm-hmm. Um, it started making me feel more happy than I was in New York
2: mm-hmm. and I
3: unconsciously was kind of like saying like how am I gonna go to New York yeah and it's not even like I don't have a boyfriend I'm single um I am a long distance relationship queen who's been in a long distance for years so like um I also know how to manage relationships without being physical. Yeah. Um, so, like, it wasn't ever like a choice for someone else, or it was always like, I was leaning on to how am I feeling right now? Right. And Los Angeles is the far, farest, far, far city that I could get from my family, which is also a burden for myself and for them as well, mm-hmm. because I don't want to make my, you know, my family fly out eight, like 15 hours to see right. me um and New York is like a place where they work as well that was connecting us yeah. so it was a big decision but before I could even decide life decided for myself mm-hmm. um, and I received that email and I was like damn like there's no other way now that I move out yeah um and I immediately when that happened I called my best friend and I'm like can you fly out to New York with me and she's like yes of course what's up and I'm like we're selling out my home we are selling every piece of furniture I have and we are moving me to New LA
1: I found out about you just a little too late I would have been at that sale <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh my god that was the biggest event I have ever made in my life like I posted up a flyer to IG and I made a TikTok and I'm like I am selling every single piece of furniture I ever collected in my life March 5th and 6th Dumbo Brooklyn email my assistant i also right in that time hired emma my assistant my right hand the most amazing person to ever come into my life for my work she's amazing i love her and she was like i'll fly out too i'll help you too so me Semina, my best friend and emma we all flew together and like Uh. the the tiktok went crazy viral emma's email was like she was receiving like thousand emails per day it was mind-blowing the request that came in and we did the biggest home sale ever in my apartment in Dumbo in two days 1500 people came 1500 people came to my apartment I'm I'm like
1: how much did your Dumbo apartment store everyone's like I will take this hanger
2: (laughs)
3: exactly that happened but the thing is Emma (laughs) separated people into time slots Uh, and she was like running back and forth up and down bringing people in every 30 minutes and it was like it was so interesting to watch from afar that those two days because one some people were coming and saying I designed my home by looking at your home. So this is a full huh. circle. And some people were saying, I always wanted to meet you. Or some people didn't even know who I am and just heard yeah. about the sale. Or some people thought that they were going to an open house but end up in a sale, <laughs> stuff like that, you know? There was like this old couple <laughs> who were like, we just came to buy this apartment. This is an open house, right? And I'm like, no, it's a sale house. Oh my yeah. God. So like, it was such a sweet experience very mm-hmm. tiring but um it was also so funny to see like Samina stayed with me another like three weeks as we closed out the apartment and the couch was gone a week later the bed was gone the every day like someone came and bought something else because like I sold almost like 90% and then the big wow. furniture was still there yeah um, and it was just so funny like every day like we were removing one more piece and then it came to a moment where every big piece was gone and we were just having dinners on at like on like a floor table taking meetings on floor and like the one by because my building gave me like a month to move out um mm-hmm. I kind of used that whole month um yeah. and I slowly slowly cut that emotions out and Mm -hmm. then i let it go and the last two days samina went back to la before i did and i spent the last two days on my own um the movers came packaged my belongings like my clothing and stuff for la and i looked at the empty home at like 3 a.m on my last night i had my flight around like 6 Mm a.m to LA and I looked at it and I'm like I'm just like grateful for you like I kind of talk to the home as if it's like a person yeah and I'm like you have given me everything I ever wanted to and you yeah. like very funnily that last week my work visa got approved um from my own company so it was like a full you know I was closing wow. out with a work visa yeah. in that came through that home yeah um And I like was like I just cannot wait to create the same thing with another home with a partner or Mm
2: -hmm.
3: or I don't know like I I think like what I felt with that home created also the mission behind my business Mm -hmm. when I do interior design I don't do it to collect furniture for people I my art of homemaking for me is all about those like unseen layers of emotions and conversations and memories and family belongings and culture and personality that goes into a home and it doesn't need to be picture perfect it doesn't need to be expensive it needs to be personal Mm -hmm. and a home is a home when you live in it and you grow with it and it changes with you and you allow the change to come in you are not scared of the change anymore Mm -hmm. you like I used to be so 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 scared with the change even though I yeah in my life I always moved in like from that to this and Mm -hmm. um but I think like around like age like 25 with my anxiety disorder kicking in painfully I became really stubborn with change and I realized that if you're holding on to things that don't serve you anymore in any capacity, life is going to make you let them go in some Mm -hmm. way and Mm -hmm. also my godmother has told me last summer when I was going through something pretty painful personally that if you don't learn from your mistakes, Mm -hmm. the next lesson is going to come more painful and then the other one's go bigger and then bigger and bigger and it's gonna come to a place and time where it could be like a mistake that could can't be reversed so either you learn now or you're gonna learn with so much more pain and Mm -hmm. I don't have someone that always learns through pain there is beauty in learning through happiness and right around you with right experiences and I think knowing those and always keeping in my pocket of like you know lessons and experiences that life always goes on that's number yeah. one I'm answering your question in like 15 minutes I know that but like no I, it's like, important I just like want to say that life no matter what always goes on and what's meant to you comes to you mm-hmm. I am someone who never told LA was going to be a home base for me I'm happier than I ever been in a city in my life even Mm. happier than New York and that's what matters and if next year or the other year I get a job opportunity from Paris or London or um, I'm in a relationship and you want to move to somewhere else with my partner or whatever like you know like I am down I'm down because life will go on like that knowing that seeing that and that I am now not as stubborn is just the biggest gift of like how to deal with anxiety
1: yeah yeah and it's so true I feel like if you resist life comes at you hard and we were just talking about that us going through our Saturn returns like if you resist these changes and these struggles and you don't want to learn from them and see the blessings in them it's going to become harder if you keep doing the same mistakes but um speaking of all of that, so you started normal in that apartment in New York. You transitioned into an interior designer. This is what I find really interesting. You studied something in college. You wanted to do fashion design. You ended up in this beautiful, for those of you who haven't seen her apartment in New York, it was all over Instagram. You Mm -hmm. ended up in this beautiful loft style apartment in Dumbo. Um, And so can you explain to me a little bit how this whole thing happened? Like what was that journey of just transitioning into yeah. interior design? so um during
3: the pandemic, I was in a relationship, um obviously, as all of us went through a pandemic relationship um that stuck us with the partner for a while. My ex-partner was um a designer as well, and he very sweetly, he's a great person, and he very sweetly um captured me designing that apartment for myself um without necessarily telling me and one evening was like August 2020 and he was like you realize that you have a talent right like you just are so wildly talented at making a place beautiful and your eye is so like I'm a Virgo like Mm -hmm. I will see the details that a lot of people maybe don't can't see um the Virgo with Libra rising yes yes um he was like you gotta push this out you gotta share this with the world and I'm like I always designed the home you know like what am I gonna show people it was like here you go like I shot it all like here's your content here's your photos here's that and I was like oh my god and he was like this is your normal like this is what you do every single day of your life um this is your you know, now that there's a trend nine to five, five to nine, like yeah. your second job, um, you just have to push it out. And when he said like, this is your normal, this is your everyday, I created the Instagram account next to him on my couch and I named it as normal. And then it wasn't available obviously. So I was at normal NYC and that's how it started. Wow. So it started with me pushing out um my own home content Um, there wasn't reels back then by Mm -hmm. the way there was TikTok was just happening Instagram didn't like great reels back then yeah funny to say that as if we are so old I know I remember that Um, I know and I started putting it out as you know feed photos and next thing I know six months later the account was around like I would say 30k um it grew up so quickly but Mm -hmm. also I think back then Instagram was helping you to grow if you were giving it giving content to it. Like yeah. if you were posting regularly, mm-hmm. um, stories, feed posts, all that, connecting with, engaging with your audience, it was just growing you. And yeah. it came pretty fast, pretty quickly. And I realized that there are some homes and some people that always like come to my feed um, and I share their apartments all the time and we were following each other. And so I reached out to all of those people around like maybe 15 people. And I was like, can I interview you like for your apartment and see like what your normal is and like how you design that place, how you source furniture, blah, blah, blah. And I made it up, made a um, website on Squarespace with like my own skills and talents back then. And it was just a website of interviews. Mm-hmm. And I launched that um, around like the ninth month of having that account and it was very like really appreciated yeah Um, so every week I was pushing out a new interview and finally the studio I have now with my friends Amy and Davey a Haiku they were one of my first interviews I was their first interview I gave them their first interview oh my god that's how we met um like two years ago yeah and That content showed me that these people that I regularly post and talk about, and I'm also one of them, um, there is this pattern in their design processes. Mm -hmm. And there's five labels that were always happening. Vintage, sustainable, secondhand, local, family.
1: Yeah. So these
3: five big um, titles were distributed throughout their um, choice of furniture and decor Mm -hmm. and art. And... It was like some people were living with their partners. Some people just separated from their partners and finding a new space for themselves. Some people were just moving in with their partners. Some people were single people. And it was so sweet to see that in these homes that a lot of people appreciate and save as like inspo, there are corners that represent these people who live in those spaces. Like Mm -hmm. when you live with a partner, there's like a corner for one of them and then the corner for another one. Or when you're single, you gotta look at your home and <clears throat> say like, what do I want this home to serve me as? Do I work yeah. in home? Do I um, spend all my day at home? Do I work out at home? Do I mm-hmm. do I need like a meditation corner? Do I need a reading nook? So this is also what I apply to my projects now when I talk yeah. to my clients in our initial meeting. Um, what are the kind of emotions you want a home to trigger? What are the kind of person that you want to grow into this home with this home? Mm -hmm. And what does this home is gonna serve you to? Is it Mm -hmm. a rental? Is it a buy process? It's is it fully yours that we could like tear down and remake it again? Or um, so like I've seen that these interviews were all in that same pattern of personality, um, that I realized that okay, this is their normal. There is a pattern here. And this is also my style. So, around like a year of doing this, um, I came across a friend um, who's a graphic designer in New York, Jack, Jack Berry, who's a very talented person. He was back then working for Ray's Bar, The Jane, mm-hmm. like he was Pebble Bar, Pebble is like now like recently created, but he was like the hospitality graphic designer.
1: Oh, cool. The,
3: the flyer person to me. And he was like, I'll help you redesign this brand. And he connected me with another friend of his, um, to design the website and out of nowhere, I'm like, okay, am I just rebranding something that is not even a business yet? And they gave me my branding. They gave me, um, my whole like website that I have right now. But also I came across this copywriter blight, who's now one of my closest friends, um, who literally reads my brain like i can just look at him and she's like this is what i re- what are we going to do to tell your story and she literally wrote down all these things that i've been explaining to you in the most um like whimsical like cute yeah. way and it's so always like what i try to do is always understandable and attainable and relatable that I think my website is that my branding is that my copyright is that too and so Blight and Jack hand-to-hand with me we created normal today and after that I was also in the same time going into a breakup um a very painful one and I was like this is all I have now even though I'm also employed somewhere else I'm gonna bet on this yeah. and while I was doing the branding work, I started getting calls from friends of friends saying, like, can you help me source this furniture? Can you look at my living room and say, like, where should I place things? And it started as a friend of a friend thing. Mm-hmm. And then I got my first ever real big project, October 2021. Wow. It's been one and a half years. Um, And I got into it. I'm like, I'm just going to fake it till I make it. Like, I'm going to learn. <laughs> Um, but I'm someone who's so eager to learn and I will always learn I will like there was nights where I like I used to almost like turn my home into a little mini college and like I was buying books and reading online all these like design eras from 60s to 70s to 80s to 90s to designers to Italian designers to French designers to Really understand when I look at a piece of furniture without necessarily Google searching it or um asking to someone else. I want to know which designer made that, which era that comes from. What are the mentalities behind those design choices within a furniture? Mm-hmm. I really educated myself on those parts of this business too, and um the obviously the hard work of it, like contractor work or um, CAD files or all those like more technical part. Yeah came through time and i'm not like an expert at them at this point either i do get help a lot but i think over it's been like one and a half years of doing this every single day and one project led to another led to another led to another and i think that last year may i got my biggest project hannah burner one of my best clients ever to this day we designed her um second home in Lower East Side like her almost like her Carrie Bradshaw apartment away from her um, it's next door to her husband where she lives with her husband but it's also like a podcast studio an office only like her solo place it was such a fun project I love her and I think like that was a home that really transformed as we were doing and it right when at that same time it was like last may was like an accumulation of projects that came out of nowhere it everyone finds finds me on tiktok or instagram mostly and then mm-hmm. some are like i heard you from your ex client blah blah yeah. blah and it is now at a place where um it's by coastal because mm-hmm. i also designed A product collection last year that led me to LA to design that and to shoot that and to launch that that when I was doing that I had a moment of like why don't I try out LA and I think I decided this action when like New York momentum was really good for me it was like going up 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 yeah, And I decided to change locations. So obviously that was a transition mm-hmm. and it was an understanding of is LA gonna bring the same amount of money that I'm making and same amount of um, interest. Mm-hmm. It is a different kind of work here for me. I do have interior design projects here, obviously, but um, it's more so also event making and community building and tapping onto my creativity in more mm-hmm. branding mindset I also, within all of this, um, I'm studying my graduate school Mm -hmm. at Columbia University. It's for strategic communications and sustainability management. Um, So that happened during the pandemic. I got in and I had to postpone because of the pandemic.
1: So you were in the pandemic working full-time in a graduate program, building normal and learning how to be an interior designer? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Okay, I just wanted to make sure that I got that all.
3: And that first year of Colombia, I was commuting from Dumbo to Morningside Heights four times a week. Um from Colombia to work, to to Colombia to work, to home, to projects, to like my life was crazy. It was like so and I look, it's so it was so fun, but it was like I was physically exhausted. Yeah. And after a year of being full-time at Columbia, I was like, I cannot, like, this mm-hmm. is too much. And the last semester I transformed into online um, and part-time, mm-hmm. um, that was fall of last year. And it was the best semester I had with my grades and stuff. And then I took a semester off. So that's now.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: now I'm graduating in two weeks. Oh, and congrats. I have my last thank you I have my last three classes um done in August so I'm gonna be done very soon but it's it it is the like I am grateful for that education because like um it kind of shifted my mindset into more branding and communication yeah. it's a great program and I have great friends from that and great exposure to alumni and People who come to like give speeches, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's definitely a tough um, thing to manage with life, and I definitely failed at it at some point.
1: And so, what what was the original thing that like sparked your curiosity in LA? Like, what made you think, like, when your business was going up in New York, you had the apartment, you had the schooling, the job, like, what was the little trigger of like, I need to be in LA?
3: Okay, so. First of all, like I said, I'm someone who cannot be comfortable in ease. And like, if things get too like routine and same, I will disturb it. (laughs) Um, I have been called that I'm chaotic by some LA people, Um, even though I have no, like, I love LA people a lot. Mm -hmm. I have the best friends here, but um, a guy that I was dating in the summer was like, you're too chaotic you try chaotic you are just chaotic I can't do oh and I'm like bye someone <laughs> else will um I just, okay whatever but um what made LA LA for me like decision this decision that I had it happened overnight it mm-hmm. happened during the shoot that I had for my photo sh- for uh, the blanket collection that I made and it happened in the studio that I have now last year around this time and one I was going to a breakup my ex-boyfriend lived in LA for years and he was an LA hater and I was like hmm like I wonder why he hates it so much and like you know why could how could be how could it be so bad and yeah. I didn't have any good friends to be honest except for my oldest like childhood friend that lives here but she lives in Brentwood Mm -hmm. and I was not going to choose to live in that side I was either going to be like Echo Park Arts District downtown Highland Park like all Mm -hmm. these Eagle Rock all these areas um and I was like I posted on Instagram I was like does anyone want to swap swap their apartment with mine and like didn't even want to sell it I wanted to swap yeah and a friend of mine who lived in the same building that I live now in LA um, reached out to me and she's like, let's swap. Before I even got into the plane that I was coming back home to New York, that night I already made my swap plan work out. I bought my ticket back to LA and it was like June 1st, LA, no return ticket. I was gonna swap my apartment and that's what happened. I swapped it. She went to mine. I came to hers. Um, and I came with the mindset of like, it's just a summer fling. Um, and I met amazing people, have some of my closest friendships here. And I moved from like downtown to Lincoln Heights to Echo Park and then to New York. So I tried three neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And when I went to New York, I left belongings in the sublease that I had in Echo Park which now the owner of that sublease is one of my best friends Irene um that oh and I was supposed to come back to her apartment she was going to be gone for a long time and literally left my whole life there and I went to New York to check on my projects for like a few weeks and my family came to visit mm-hmm. me and then the day before I was supposed to fly out Irene called me and she's like I got a job offer in LA like it's a big job offer the biggest of my life I have to come back home I have to stay at my home
2: Mm -hmm. and
3: I was like oh my god what am I gonna do I have to go back Mm -hmm. and I could have chosen to stay in New York but I went back and I put the word out there that I was looking for another sublease and I stayed at a hotel for a few days and I found a sub lease in the same street that Irene is living in. Mm -hmm. I was like, perfect. Um, I went to check it like the day before I move in for like two months, I think, till December. And I went in there and I'm like, "Mm, I want my own apartment. Like, out of nowhere and I'm like do I have the means to pay my own apartment right now in LA where am I gonna decorate this apartment do I have the money right now to decorate an apartment I only yeah. have my cabin luggage with me yeah. so I'm like is it gonna work out and but it was like financially having my own apartment and renting it and least like paying the rent was same amount of money even less than subleasing someone else's apartment mm-hmm. the only additional cost is obviously buying furniture Right, um, which is a lot of additional costs. Like, yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm learning. But I called my friend who lives in this lived in this building, the one who swapped with me, and finally she also moved to New York because of our swap. Um, oh my God! So now yeah, she's, she's in New York now. Yeah, yeah, she, <gasps> she left this apartment. She left left this building. So I knew that she was moving to New York that oh, week. Yeah, so I called her. I'm like, "Is your apartment on the market?" She's like, "It is. Go check it." And I'm like, because it's a gorgeous apartment. And I'm like, it was, I also knew what it costs for mm-hmm. rent. And it was cheaper. Like it was one third of what I paid in New York um, and bigger than New York. So I came to this building and I'm like, who's the real estate agent? Can I see this apartment? Is it on market? Do you have any other ones? And coincidentally, the real estate agent was here. And he was like, that apartment just got rented like 30 minutes ago but I have four more if you want to see and like, show me. And he took me around the building, showed me some. I was like, mm, this is not it. This is mm-hmm. not it. And he's like, there's one more, but I don't think you're going to be overly in love with it because it's smaller than usual. Yeah. I got into this apartment and I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, this is exactly what I want. Exactly what I need. That was a Friday afternoon. Sent my application friday like 5 p.m and the, my landlord who's an amazing person called me saturday morning is like come meet me i want to meet you and i got the keys on monday morning oh my and I god went Into this place with a luggage <laughs> and with a like like a, um you know the beds that you pump air in yes um yeah. uh, air
1: mattress, air mattress. Yeah. and an air
3: mattress um that i borrowed from a friend and I'm like, okay, what's next? How do I, how do we decorate this apartment? How weird, am I living in LA now? <laughs> and my dad accepted that I live in LA now. Mm-hmm. Like when I moved out of New York. Yeah. He, he still thought this is a sublet. Yeah. <laughs> and my mom was like, what? Like, are you serious? Like, why did you just like go off New York? That city was like your whole Life, your being, your identity, and like change. You know, I'm I'm different now. I'm a different yeah. girl now. I'm a LA girl, um, and it worked out. I uh, love this home. I love this space. I love love love. And like the rent that I pay here, plus my office, plus my car, is less than the home in New York.
1: Oh yeah, I believe it. <laughs> yeah. oh. I believe it um and can you tell me more about your new office space and partnership is it meta haiku it's meta haiku yeah okay um like i
3: said i knew amy and davy from like two years ago Mm -hmm. i we initially like got um close with the interview situation that happened and then they kindly landed me their space for me to shoot my collection last year Mm -hmm. um And it was always this organic relationship that was beneficial for both sides. And our businesses do um, have a lot of common interests. Um, They don't do interior design, but they do a lot of community building and event making for other brands. Amy is also doing a lot of PR and brand representations. Davey is a podcast producer, a photographer, a lot of things. They're all very creative. Also, there are a couple. Mm-hmm. um and over the time of building this uh, relationship and friendship with amy and davy um last year we did an art show together which was really successful um with also my friend simina and we always wanted to do another one together but um on january of this year a couple months ago we were having a business meeting with a brand um partnership manager for a furniture brand um And we were like just walking around Los Feliz and got into a furniture store, one of my favorites, Pearson Ward. And we just sat on the couches there and literally one thing led to another. Our brainstorming went into saying like, why don't I rent your space? Why don't you co-join our space? And like, they just recently moved into a big loft for their Mm -hmm. apartment, for their home. And they were like, our loft is so big that we want to transition that into our studio too. Yes. And we're not going to need the studio in our district in like a couple months from now. So maybe we start by this co-work thing and then you take over at least if it serves you. Um. So it started like that. And back then when these conversations were just uh, kicking in, I was still um, supposed to go back to New York in May so i was also like not saying yes fully because um i didn't know which you know the rest of the year was gonna look like um location wise and before i again like i even could think about it i moved out of new york so it was like one door closes the other one opens but yeah my apartment in new york was apartment 209 and Mm. i have a 209 tattoo my office is unit 209 (gasps) I know. I closed one 209 open to another 209.
1: Oh my God. I also, I have to say, um, you said that like a few people said that you're chaotic, but actually like hearing your story and past conversations that we've had, I feel like everyone has these little intuitive thoughts That kind of guide us of like, you should do this or you should do that. But a lot of us are kind of conditioned to shush them because Mm -hmm. we think if nothing is wrong, there's no reason to shake things up and have change and have struggles and have to go through painful learning curves. But you've said yes to every like quote unquote intrusive thought of like, I wanna go to LA, I wanna do interior design, I wanna go to the United States. And even if you had people telling you like, it doesn't make sense or it will be hard. You've just listened to those intuitive thoughts. And I feel like that's why everything that keeps happening for you is full circle. Mm -hmm. Like your career is becoming an interior designer, your, your living situation, your partnerships, like everything is just like everything Mm -hmm. you're saying. I'm like, Oh, well that makes sense. But it's only because you've said yes to every single thought that has come up of, I have an interest in this. I want to do it. And you haven't shushed any of those thoughts. You've just gone for it.
3: Exactly. And like, I think, to be honest, um, I am, I never been a fearful person, even though like I mentioned earlier that I was once upon a time a little more stubborn to change. Mm -hmm. I, my family also has always gone through ups and downs like all the time financially turkey is a very tough country to yeah. have a um, stable job in mm-hmm. um economics and politics and everything um so i'm so used to being up and down with them my whole yeah. life was like that mm-hmm. i don't want to sound like like she has a family business she has it all together no my family my dad and mom are like 65 years old working 24 7. yeah Still, say my mom still at the office it's like 10 p.m in Turkey right now mm-hmm. um and, and I come from that culture that mindset that work never stops yeah. um and also maybe the amount of money that I made right now would happen enough for me a couple years ago but now with this world state it's not and mm-hmm. I cannot like go to bed like not thinking about what am I gonna do or you know how to make more money but also I don't want to ever stretch myself too thin without perfecting the responsibilities I have in my hand right now mm-hmm. like I creating a podcast for example is something that's going to happen to me eventually yeah um, but I also even have name I have the idea I have it all nailed down on paper and pen. Mm-hmm. but I don't want to dive into that yet unless yeah. I am very good at interior design jobs and my client work and my Mm -hmm. clients cannot say a bad thing about the way I work you know like unless I perfect one responsibility in my arms I don't want to stretch myself to tend to another thing and that is something that I need to like press the brake a little Mm -hmm. um just because I am like I'm I love having so much on on my plate and like overwhelming myself sometimes Mm -hmm. and again like the chaos in that um Mm -hmm. But also I'm just 27 years old. Yeah. I don't know what life is going to bring in the next like couple of years. Like every, but I, one thing I know is that it's going to keep growing. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to like give it up. I'm not mm-hmm. going to like be like, oh my God, I'm so tired. Like yeah. I keep growing because I'm going to put the work in.
1: Yeah. And can we talk about um your, the blanket collection you did? And I'm selfishly asking because I, for, one of my goals like how you said you have a podcast but you're not there yet one of my goals for we all dream is someday to have a home collection like I want to create unique homeware designs that are all around home and food and it'll be very curated um but that time is not right now because Mm -hmm. there's so many other factors and juggling in my life but selfishly I want to know, what is it like to create a product? Like, what is the process of that? Like, how did that happen? I love those blankets, by the way.
3: Thank you so much. Um, First of all, I think like the design um, is rooted in me through Mm -hmm. my family. So I have, I see firsthand um, living, like growing up in a factory, literally how to create a product and the steps that goes into that. But um, in my case, obviously doing it um, here in in New York and L.A., I did it as a collaboration with mm-hmm. a brand that's called Bian Mall, um, which is owned by my friends Beatrice and Yvonne. and it was a relationship that first started off Instagram, just like you and I. Yeah, and um, because their brand's name is Bian Mall and normal, like the last three letters are the same. Yeah, and it was so funny that it was like, um, let's like maybe you know we could join these two names and do something cute and sweet and. It started like that like as like a fun joke between us and then like next thing we know we are like mm, why don't we design a collection together yeah and it came from um i'm a foreign they're also venezuelan moved to um america because of ivan's job opportunity mm-hmm. um so two foreigners from two different parts of the world three foreigners essentially um we took elements that were repeated as a pattern um and design in our upbringing and childhood and in our family homes Mm -hmm. and so like common elements within that from Turkish culture to um Latin culture and um realize that we could actually turn these into a modern way Mm -hmm. and like for example one of the designs were um was you know in my my grandma was used to like weave and knit these um little napkins like yeah um that she used to put up on her tv or in yes. those like white yeah uh, the dolly thing.
1: yeah they're the dolly but they're called something else for turkish because my vintage line for we all dream i put it on my turkish friends his turntable and he's uh-huh. like you're the turkish grandmother <laughs> <laughs>
3: the little exactly and like <laughs> remember that was so like traditional but now yeah. it's like instagramable i need to and send it to you after this and then the other one was like a turkish rug turned into a blanket but the patterns were all um, um influenced by new york patterns so like the flowers in our turkish rug was actually a metro card um uh, like we Made flowers from Metro cards and like oh my god, um, so like it has New York elements into it, but it's a Turkish rug. I love and that. And the other one was um, like a knit crochet thing, like it's more like a picnic blanket, yeah. But it was so loved, and the story mm. that um comes from it came super naturally because it's like we didn't push for it, it happened like out of nowhere, yeah. And like I said, everything happens for a reason. And obviously that happened because I moved. Like it made me move to LA.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, and this connection is also based in LA, or were yes, they based they in LA?
3: LA. They're oh also. My New Yorkers moved out to LA.
1: I love it. Ah, uh, and um. Okay, so obviously you've had a million lives when it comes to work and places and people and all of that. It's all first full circle what advice would you give to someone who kind of like has an interest in becoming something but they don't yet have a seat at that table and they want to grow their community through the new interest
3: okay <clears throat> so first of all I think the biggest advice is you need to know and align with your values mm-hmm. this applies to your personal values and your work values Um, I believe that whatever person or work opportunity that doesn't um, match with your values will never ever be yours it Mm -hmm. won't serve you and it will go out of your life on its own Um, and you need to always remind yourself like for example obviously like one of my biggest values in work is being honest and ethical and if yours don't match mine, I'm never mm-hmm. going to be able to create work with you. Yeah. Um, so being super transparent, and one, like literally one mind, one body, one heart with whatever you your mission is and your vision is. And this is something that my brother have given me as an advice when I was building normal, initially, that he was like, I don't want you to be a product influencer. I don't yeah. want you to push out consumerism. Yeah. If you're going to work in a field that it's all about purchasing
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know, furniture and stuff, like adding on to capitalism, you need to find your vision and your mission and your sustainability measurements and how to give back, how to give up to others, how to create com- community, how to create a reason of being.
1: Yeah, I love that he challenged you like that. And he did
3: challenge me. Um, Yeah, He did challenge me a lot um, in the sense that like, I was only 25 when he said that. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, obviously like the Instagram was growing and I was receiving a lot of like brand partnership opportunities and people being like, let me gift you that. Let me send you that. And I started saying no to them, even mm-hmm. though maybe they could have opened up another um, income in the future. Mm-hmm. I said um, no, because like some brands didn't match my values. Some brands mm-hmm. didn't match my vision and mission. And um, instead of decorating my apartment for free, I chose that um, advice that my brother gave to me. And three years later now, when I look back, I'm really glad that I chose that you know, ethical mindset yeah. rather than, um, being like, when I look at someone else's profile right now that says yes to all the brands that come to them,
2: mm-hmm.
3: I don't like it. It's
2: yeah.
3: not like me. Yeah. And I think like I've been getting asked a lot of, um, some people are asking me like, how am I sharing everything? So within the same moment I that I take them, like in my, um, the way I like use social media, and not go into anxiety with that. I share things immediately when I take them. Yeah. Like, and, I, and then I leave my phone away. Um, I don't edit any photos. I don't I love it. filters. It's all natural. I think that's
1: why I love your page so much. Because it doesn't seem curated. Or you have such a beautiful aesthetic. I can tell the photos are yours. I can tell it's coming from your personality and your energy. But it feels like I'm just following you in the moment.
3: Exactly. And... Mm-hmm. I, if I don't share them in the moment, they don't, I forget about them or they don't mean the same thing to me anymore. Yeah. But I don't plan out content. I don't like, obviously, if it's a brand partnership, sometimes that happens rarely. I do plan that out. Mm -hmm. But like um, personal content, home, work, outfits, fashion, food. I also share a lot of food content lately. But like,
2: Mm -hmm.
3: um, if that happens in the same moment and sometimes my friends are like when did you just share this but i'm always <laughs> old, and i don't yeah. care what people would say or think because mm-hmm. like if you like my content just share i follow it if you don't like unfollow it like it's just right. a away <laughs> um so my biggest advice be very 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 unapologetical about your mission your values your vision mm-hmm. um find a reason within your business please do not do it just to be another person who serves consumerism or buying products or no, you have to give back to the world right now. There's no other way. Yeah. Um, community building is so essential, so important. It is the last step, but the most important step in building a brand mm-hmm. um, and the target audience and how to connect with your target audience and make them come back to you and work with you again and buy from you like that um there's this chain of um buyer mindset like from awareness to purchase to um retention so them yeah back to you the retention part happens through emotional connection mm-hmm. it's you apply to their heart and to their mind that's the essential um mission of marketing world um mm-hmm. uh, you know Finding that one line to trigger people to come back to your brand yeah. uh, or to be a dedicated buyer. So the community building serves that purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it's if even if your brand is not making a crazy amount of money or um, producing a lot of uh, content or products out there, if you have the community set right,
1: mm-hmm. it
3: will come there. Yeah, that's the hardest part that a lot of brands forget. Yep. and i think like one of my definitely um talents is that part of the business
2: mm-hmm. um
3: and i think my business started as community to product right. community to project so everything happened backwards that mm-hmm. you know i'm a little lucky in that sense um but obviously it doesn't always mean that your community is always going to love the products that you push out or the content that you push out it is also another challenge um but yeah, being true to those kinds of um, emotional parts of business, and also if you put the work, it is gonna give back to you. Yeah. Nothing like my mom. Sometimes like some months happen that I don't get a new client, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh my god, what, like what am I gonna do mm-hmm. for next month? How am I gonna make money? And my mom is like, just keep working. Keep yeah, working. keep sharing, keep posting, keep working. Yep, well, work ethical honestly please 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 be a fair business person give mm-hmm. people what they need the credit the money whatever do not owe money to anyone yes and life will bring you more work and clients and money and it has never ever 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 failed me so yes. hoping that energy will keep forever um as a self-employed person but these are i think my biggest
1: advices i love that I need to just take that one snippet and just save it as a voice recording on my phone. So if I'm having like a day where I'm like, oh, I'll just listen back and I'm like, okay, I'm set now. Um, and then to, I guess to wrap it up, what are your what are your dreams for the future, for the near future?
3: Um, near future, um, I think normal is evolving into a new world, which is um, this art of homemaking that I've been saying and this community building. I now have a studio space in LA and I want to lean on to having a space that I create events and community building projects for other brands. I want Normal to become a studio that not only makes homes for clients, but also Mm -hmm. makes homes for um, brands and small businesses and I want to be able to be the bridge between brands that are in New York, want to open up to LA and are Turkish, want to open up to the states. Um essentially a niche area of agency that applies to community building part of um brand building, branding, and also does interior design projects on a day-to-day basis as well. Um I have had this dream since I was maybe 18-ish in Boston. Um I always vision having a space that is a multifunctional place that mm-hmm. has a store that is a studio that is an office that is an event space that's a lot of things at once but yeah. I have immense joy in supporting local brands mm-hmm. and growing them and helping them grow me like you know multi it benefit like beneficial for both of us kind of a, a symbiotic relationship Um, so I think that's the next step for normal and I think that's definitely a mega step so I'm not seeing that happening for another one one and a half years to be honest Mm -hmm. but I am right now every day putting the work in for those steps to come along and the projects to build and the portfolios to happen for me to be able to announce this to the world being super confident about it Um, so I think Still being bicostal, to be honest. Um, I don't think I'm ever gonna let either coast go slip from my hand. Um, but obviously home base is LA now. Yeah. So tapping onto everything that these two cities give to me and growing in my business as a inter designer. Um, but I also been taking a lot more speaking opportunities and hosting my own panel. Um yeah. I'm like gonna lean on to that a lot too. So, a lot of events, a lot of sales, a lot of pop ups, event, uh, community building, and eventually turning into a normal 2.0. Yeah, um,
1: 2024, hopefully. Yeah, I know I came to the normal party late, but I love seeing the new birth of it in LA. <laughs>
3: Thank
1: you. It's uh, so good. I
3: appreciate you so much. Ugh. Like, it's so. You just create a beautiful world and like when I first found you I was like I spent one hour on your feet going down and like I love you. Thank you. Love you you so so
1: much. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Love bye.